From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Genesis 44.18 Vayigash Why then? In this week's portion of the Torah, we see the entire dream of Yosef and his brothers come to its fulfillment. With great emotion, Yosef reveals to his brothers that he is actually Yosef and that God has made him master of all Egypt. He tells them that they should all come down into Egypt and that he will provide for them. The question has to be, why did he wait until this moment to reveal this to them? What was unique at this particular time that forced him to lose control and break down crying? He seemingly could have told them who he was from the first time they went down into Egypt for food. Why did he have to wait until then? Yosef revealed his identity the moment Yehuda was willing to go into slavery in place of Binyamin. It was this self-sacrifice that allowed the charade to end. When the brothers threw Yosef into the pit, Yehuda was the one who suggested selling Yosef into slavery. He could just as well have told them to set him free, and they would have listened to him then too. For this reason, Yehuda was held responsible for his brother being sold into slavery. At this point in time, Yehuda willingly put himself in his brother's place, offering to go into slavery to save his brother, Benjamin, from that fate. Once he was willing to do that, and had the opportunity to actually do it, he completed his repentance, tshuva. Had Yosef revealed himself to his brothers when they first arrived in Egypt, or at any time thereafter up until this point, Yehuda would never have had the opportunity to pay his debt. But with this sacrifice, he showed that he had indeed repented. This concept is seen today in Jewish law. Mere verbal repentance is not enough, but must be accompanied with actual proof. For instance, when a cheater is caught, he cannot be considered trustworthy again until he has had the opportunity to cheat again in the same way, but chooses instead to act honestly. So if a kosher butcher is caught selling non-kosher meat while claiming that it is kosher, he can never again be trusted as a kosher butcher until he has had the opportunity to again secretly sell non-kosher meat and present it as kosher meat, and instead refusing to do it. After Yehuda's demonstration of repentance, Yosef explained that the entire sequence of his going into slavery was planned by God. Even though they didn't know it, the brothers were fulfilling God's will for the good. Each participant had his own idea of why he was acting the way he did. Still, it was God who was allowing it, leading them to carry out their plans as long as they somehow fit into God's overall plan for the good. So how then does man have free will? If God is guiding, coaxing, urging man to follow his plan, is man really free? God chooses good people to do good deeds and evil people to do evil deeds and allows each individual to choose whatever he wants. The brothers thought that they were acting on their own, carrying out their personal scheme, but their deeds fit into God's overall plan for the good. But still, Yehuda and the brothers had to do tshuva for their role in all of this. 
And this is why God did not let Yosef break down and reveal the truth until they had paid their bill. And what of poor Yaakov, who loved Yosef so much? Why did he have to live all those years without hearing from his beloved son, not really knowing if he was even alive or not? Why couldn't he have heard from him? The reason is because Yaakov also did not contact his father Yitzchak all the years that he was gone. So we see the principle portion across from portion, or measure for measure, meter kenega meter, playing itself out, guiding the world again. What does this have to do with us? Know that each good thing that we do makes a good wave. Not only does that wave go out into the world, but also it eventually come back to the one who did it. And the bad deeds also return to the ones who do them. In fact, it is the fortunate thief who gets caught in this world we can pay back for his crime. Those who do not get caught here will certainly get caught in the world to come, and they will have to pay back in that world where there are no deeds or repentance. Now we can better understand the teaching, the reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah. At the lower perspective, this teaches that when one does a good deed, the doing of that deed will lead the doer to the opportunity to do another good deed. And this is certainly true. But at the higher perspective, we see that the doing of the good deed is in itself the reward. The reward of the mitzvah is the doing of the mitzvah. And Yosef wept. In this week's portion of the Torah, Yosef cried uncontrollably on two occasions. He cried when he revealed his true identity to his brothers, and again when he saw his father Yaakov for the first time since he had been taken away and sold into slavery. What was the nature of his crying? When he was kidnapped and thrown into the pit, thinking that he was about to be killed, he did not cry. When he was sold into slavery, he did not cry. When he was put into the dungeon and left there to rot, he did not cry. At these times of great distress, he did not cry. So why did he cry when he spoke to his brothers and kissed his father? There are different kinds of crying. The crying we are most familiar with is tears of distress. Simply, something is wrong and we cry about it. But Yosef was not crying because something was wrong. He was crying because something very right was happening. Yesterday afternoon at the Kotel, I put tefillin on a gray-haired man from France. It probably was the first time he ever put on tefillin, but I did not know this at the time. He saw the soldiers putting on tefillin there, and he wanted to join them. When he tried to repeat the blessing, he began to cry. He was sobbing deeply and couldn't stop. I've seen this happen before, and I waited patiently for him to stop and catch his breath. He went on for quite some time. I assumed his putting on tefillin reminded him of some emotional scene from his past, maybe seeing his beloved grandfather put them on many years ago when he was still a boy, or some other family scene. I was wrong. When he stopped sobbing, he asked, Please, can you tell me why I am crying? I said that I would explain it to him after we finished. He read the prayers in French and tearfully prayed for his family. Then he turned to me. I patted him on the chest and said, This is not really you I am patting. This is merely your body. It is a physical garment that you are wearing. What you actually are is the spiritual being who is riding inside this body. 
When you die, your body will be buried and turned to dust. But you will not. You will go up and up. I moved my hand up from his chest, trying to give him the idea of the soul leaving the body and rising up. I went on. When you go up, you will be in an entirely spiritual world, and only your deeds will follow you there. This is why we put on tefillin and do other mitzvahs. There are spiritual deeds that have the ability to remind us that we too are spiritual. When this reminder came to your consciousness, you were overwhelmed. This may have been the first time in your entire life that you ever remembered this, but this knowledge has always been embedded in your soul. This is why you cried. When the intellect becomes overwhelmed and we cannot analyze or fathom the depth of what is happening, the emotions sweep over the intellect and we weep. This is what happened to the man from France, and this is what is happening to Yosef the Sadiq when he wept. The man from France was overwhelmed when he experienced the powerful reminder that there is more to life than the mere physical. Yosef was overwhelmed when he saw his spiritual dreams being fulfilled and realizing that it was God who had sent him into Egypt and not his brothers. Then when he kissed his father, his emotions overran his intellect again, and he cried. There is one.com.